The Bread and Butter podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mainjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by Hiya. Productions. Did I say good? <laughs> <laughs> I could do it one more time. Maybe just in case. Okay. Do it one more time. Go. Bread and Better Podcast. <laughs> okay. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I am. <clears throat> Bread and Better Podcast. Hey guys and welcome back. I'm Alex, producer and co-host of this podcast, Bread and Better. And I am Tegan, your other host. At Bread and Better, our mission is that better begins with us. Women's holistic health and the impact on the next generation, we want to talk about it. And today's guest is so incredibly aligned with our values. We are so excited to bring you today's episode. Today, we welcome Michelle Smith. Michelle is a woman's health acupuncturist, and she has a gorgeous business based here in Camp Hill called Over Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine. I recently met Michelle on a visit to her clinic and had the most fantastic chat with her regarding all things hormone health and periods. And it was an absolute no brainer to ask her to come on the pod. And this was actually all I could think about when I was supposed to be relaxing during my (laughs) acupuncture. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, you guys. I'm so happy to be here. And it was so funny. We were chatting so much during your consult. I was like, oh my gosh, she needs acupuncture. Like, I feel like we almost missed the acupuncture part of your (laughs) session because we were talking so much. Totally. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Okay. So Michelle, we always start the podcast with a bit of food positivity. We share the best thing that we have eaten in the last week. We'll let you go first. Okay. So I just got back from Sydney on the weekend and I went to Toddy's. Have you? uh, Yeah. Okay. So I went there for dinner and it was so good. And we had the, they're quite famous for the wood fired bread, which is so yummy and a duck parfait. (gasps) And you put the the parfait on the bread and it's almost like a little mini parfait pizza. It was so good. And then the second thing was their melon, which has like, I think it's a charcoal smoked sea salt that they put on top and it was delicious. So that's the best thing I've eaten this week. Yum. Duck's my favorite food. Mm, So so good. good. I love, I'm obsessed with Sydney. I messaged you when you were in Sydney and I was like, I love Sydney. So good. And And Toddy's is just, oh my God. Yeah, Yeah. it's the best. It's just like classic. Yeah. It's a bit of an institution. Yeah. I used to go to Key a lot. Like on the harbour there. Yeah. It's really, really good. That's one of the best meals I've ever had. And I know Toddy's because George is obsessed with it. Uh Yeah. That's the only reason I've heard of it. Yeah. And I don't love Sydney, which I think we've spoken about before because I grew up there. And I've had to go there a lot. So I I don't love Sydney until probably the last 12 months. Yeah. And now I'm I'm into it. But I'm a Bondi bubbler. So Uh, my best friend lives in North Bondi and I go there and I don't leave the Bondi bubble. So Bondi is beautiful. Yeah. And like all around there like DY Marubra Mm. I do love all of that I wasn't that taken with Bondi yeah I like um my friends live in North Sydney yeah and the area that they live in is just so quiet but then you can just catch the ferry over to Circular Quay or nice and and get in on all of the action but I really like Manly yeah I like Manly I was about to say that Manly Manly is really nice I think you'd like it if you like Bondi Mm, yeah Yeah. I think I need to go down there with like a different perspective 
perspective. Maybe if I got Taylor Swift tickets, I could have gone. Yeah, I'm going, I'm a Swifty. Oh, stop it, I'm a Swifty. <laughs> oh my, let's discuss this later. Oh, this is so exciting. But I'm going to her oh. Melbourne show. <laughs> I came home one day from recording the podcast and Kev was like ignoring me and it was very weird. And he was like kind of like on his phone and I'm trying to tell him about like our morning and stuff. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you ignoring me? And he was like, I'm trying to get you Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry. Like, That's it was it. the second release. Uh, anyway, we'll yeah. discuss this after because we can't take up the whole episode. <laughs> what was the best thing you ate this week? I thought we were going to pivot into a Taylor Swift episode. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, we could. <laughs> yeah. No. Maybe we should do a whole episode on oh, that. I would be I. here for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm washing my hair that day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get fries on. The best thing that I ate this week was... Probably at dinner last night, we went to Factory 51 mm-hmm. with our guests in our previous episodes so far to have like a little potty Christmas party. And they have the focaccia bread with truffle and honey. Mm, that looked amazing. That was probably, I mean, it was all very good, but that was probably a real standout for mm, me. Yum. This is the second time I've said Factory 51 as my yeah. favorite thing. Well, I'm going to say Factory 51 as well because. I think you've said it before. I've said well. it before as well. Yeah. When I went for that mum dinner and I had the pancetta pizza. But last night I had the zucchini pizza oh, and it was yum. so good. Gluten-free. Gluten-free, dairy-free. So, Michelle, we really want to pick your brains about all things periods. We believe that it's possibly not uncommon for women in their 30s, just like us, to still have fairly little knowledge about the ins and outs of their cycle. However, before we get into that, can you please tell us a little bit about you and your career so far? Yeah, I mean, definitely people have no idea about their period and it spans generations. Like I have menopausal or postmenopausal women come into the clinic and they've got no idea about periods and they've already transitioned through menopause. So we can definitely dive into that. But I am a registered acupuncturist and I'm a registered Chinese herbal medicine practitioner. I own a clinic here in Camp Hill called Over Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine. And at the clinic, we support people through every season of life. So there is a focus on women's health and that's really supporting people from puberty with period issues, painful periods, heavy periods, endo PCOS and supporting people with their fertility. I support a lot of people with egg freezing and preparing for that as well as postpartum and then transitioning in perimenopause and then postmenopause. So there's definitely a focus on women's health, but being an acupuncture clinic, we also help a lot of blokes out with like sore backs and shoulders and sinus and whatever they need help with too, as well as male fertility. But before I became a Chinese medicine doctor, I was living in Dubai and I was a marketer. And that's kind of when I started my journey into acupuncture. Before then, I was very like career driven, kind of like girl boss era, Emily Weiss, like that was kind of like my whole thing. I wasn't into natural health at all. I was into yoga and probably more fitness when I was younger, but to cut a long story short, I have PCOS and I was working like 12 to 14 hour days in Dubai. People move to Dubai to make a lot of money or get ahead in their career. So there's not a lot of work-life balance. And I was just burning the candle at both ends for years. And then eventually I got Epstein-Barr virus or glandular fever. 
and I had to take six weeks off work. I could barely get out of bed for those six weeks. And then that started pretty much a 12 month journey of having to get my health back. I had chronic acne, literally zero gas in the tank. Like I was in a really, really bad way. And my GP said to me, Michelle, if we lived in the 1600s, I'd tell you to go move to the countryside for 12 months. And I was like, okay, I live in Dubai, one of the most expensive cities in the world. I can't do that. And my mom came to visit me and she, as bums do, looked at me and told me I look like shit. (laughs) And um, she told me to go to an acupuncturist. And I was like, you're a hippie. I don't want to do this. Like really shut the idea down. But she, she actually paid for me to go and have six acupuncture sessions. That's how much she believed in it. And this acupuncturist just brought me back to life. Like I, I can't describe it any other way. And then I eventually started borrowing books from her and then developed like a really beautiful relationship with her. And I was at a crossroads in my career. I knew that it wasn't sustainable working in that corporate lifestyle. It was so detrimental to my health. So I decided to quit my job, break up with my boyfriend, fly back to Australia and start studying Chinese medicine. So yeah. And then I, I studied Chinese medicine. And as soon as I started studying, I knew it was my path and my purpose. And I always wanted to work with women. So that's probably why I've ended up, you know, with the clinic and having this focus on women's health. Oh, I love that. Like literally couldn't be more aligned. Yeah. Right. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How funny is it? Like the influence of your mom and you being like, you know, you're a hippie. I can relate to that so heavily because I remember like us teasing mom for like going to this meditation class, like mm. way back when we were kids and we used to like ask her if she sat on the floor and just did chants and hums and stuff. And now like, now that I'm in my thirties and I'm into wellness and meditation, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Onto something. I always call my mom like the OG wellness influencer. Like like when my dad was a builder and so we, when he built the house, we had filters on all of our taps in the house, like in the nineties, like oh, wow. she was onto all of this stuff that like now we think, like, I think sometimes wellness influencers think that they, they invented <laughs> yeah. wellness. And I'm like, yeah. no, there were like other previous generations of women that were doing all of this stuff. They just yeah. didn't have Instagram to tell the world <laughs> about it. So true. So, so true. So assuming our listeners have limited knowledge of the various stages of the menstrual cycle, can you give us a quick quick run through on how it typically works. Yeah. So the menstrual cycle, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that I'll be speaking in very gendered terms. So I'm essentially talking about all people that have a menstrual cycle. But when I say women, I think it's just, I'm talking in a very heteronormative way, but I want to acknowledge that not all women have menstrual cycles and not all people that have a menstrual cycle are women. And also if you are on hormonal birth control, then that kind of, it influences the natural menstrual cycle. So what I'm about to say is really, applicable to people that aren't taking hormonal contraception like the pill or one of the IUDs and things like that. So when we look at the menstrual cycle, there are four main phases of the menstrual cycle. And sometimes we talk about the phases as seasons. So the first day of your cycle will always be the first day of full flow. So some people will spot for a couple of days before their period. Some people describe it as like they're they're not sure if their period's like coming or going. The first day of your menstrual cycle is the first day that you have a full flow of blood. I did not know that. I was just about to chime in and say that I've started tracking my day one differently since I saw you. Yeah, amazing. Because I would have done it like on the like first day of spotting. Yeah. But now I've gone to day one on the correct day because yeah. I've learned. And I think yeah. it's usually around two o'clock. So if you start bleeding from four, like say 4 p.m. or 6 p.m., then that next day would be counted as day one. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's like 
like really, it gets really more applicable, I guess, when people are doing IVF, because oftentimes you're starting your IVF drugs on the first day of your cycle. So you do want to be pretty specific. And the reason why that is, is because on the first day of your menstrual cycle, when you're having that proper bleed, that's when your hormones go to a baseline level. So the days of spotting beforehand is oftentimes, and particularly in a Chinese medicine perspective or in, in our world, a drop of progesterone, but it hasn't dropped fully to initiate the bleed. So we want to wait till the hormones are fully at their baseline before we count it as day one. Yeah. So the first day being the first day of your period means that the first phase of your cycle is your period. And we often call that your winter. So your inner winter. And in my world, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, the perfect period is about two to three days of full flow. And so that's changing a pad or a tampon about every four hours. And then about two to three days of light bleeding. So you're looking at minimum sort of four days of bleeding. If you have two light days and two full flow days, or at most three days of full flow, three days of light bleeding. So when people are bleeding for seven days or more, that's when I'll usually want to try to condense it down into about six days, sometimes even five. And oftentimes that's what my my patients report back to me is that they might actually be losing the same amount of blood in their period, but with something like acupuncture or focusing on their menstrual cycle, cycle sinking and things like that, they notice that their period becomes a little bit more efficient and they're yeah. losing the same amount of blood in like five or six days. So that first phase of the cycle, your inner winter lasts for your whole period. So hopefully that's about anywhere from sort of three to six, maybe seven days. And then after winter, we start to emerge into springtime and that's our follicular phase. Yeah. So the menstrual cycle is really governed by the hormones from the brain and the ovaries. So we have the HPO axis, the hypothalamus, which is in the brain, talks to your pituitary gland, also in the brain, and they speak down to your ovaries to produce hormones. So during the follicular phase, the follicle stimulating hormone is the message that's being sent down from the brain to the ovaries to start producing estrogen. So then estrogen is the predominant hormone during your follicular phase. And that's why after our period, we start to feel like really bright and perky and we start to get a little bit more outgoing, just like springtime, right? Like you start to see like the flowers come out to bloom and like the birds are chirping and you're just feeling a little bit more outgoing. So that's during your follicular phase. And because of the estrogen that's being produced, estrogen's kind of like, it's like the sexy hormone. So it makes your skin really clear. Sometimes I, obviously this is me talking quite like idealistically, but um, estrogen can have a nice effect on your skin. Sometimes like your boobs feel a little perkier and you might notice an increase in cervical mucus. And that's all because of the estrogen that's kind of building, 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 building and then you ovulate. And so ovulation is summer, which is the third phase of the menstrual cycle. And at ovulation, that's when the egg is released from the follicle. After you ovulate comes the luteal phase and the luteal phase is like the longest phase of the the cycle. And that's until the last day before you start your period again. And the luteal phase is your inner autumn. So just like we do in autumn, we kind of like start to go a little bit inwards. Like we start to slow down the pace a little bit before then going back into winter where we go like full hibernation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I God. love that. I love the seasons because yeah. I'm such a summer baby. I'm like, that just appeals yeah. to me so much. I just feel like I want to write everything down there. So I'm like, no, I'll get to do this when I edit. But as you're talking, I'm like, this is so important 
for people to know. And literally, like, yeah, I've heard of the luteal phase because when I was, like, trying to have magnolia, we really struggled and mm. I went and saw a fertility specialist. Still don't know any of this, though. Yeah. Um, and, like, the problem with me was always, like, the luteal phase. Yeah. When I told my friends we were doing this, they were all like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, I could learn so much. Yeah, it's so important. And so, so important. It yeah. is. And we're just not taught it. And, no. like, I mean, I, I'm a little feminist at heart, too, and I'm like, huh, could it be? that we weren't taught this information about ourselves because with this information we're more powerful yes <laughs> yes and also because it was probably never a priority yeah yeah it's like we're women and yeah especially like, just well. to go on the feminine tangent here I'm I'm new to feminism Alex yeah. has been Welcome. opening my eyes also yeah like was it not a priority like of all yeah. the things that need to be taught in school mm. obviously it's not reaching the list of things that are important like yeah. good thing we know algebra right Right, (laughs) which we use like every single day. (laughs) Yeah, but like so many people come to me to fall pregnant. Yeah, and I teach them when to have sex, and they've just not been having sex at the right time. Yeah, and so then the dialogue becomes: I'm infertile, or I'm having fertility challenges. And when I teach them about the menstrual cycle, I'm like, babe, you're not infertile. You're just literally having sex at the wrong time. Sperm and egg aren't even getting the opportunity to meet. But then we start to put that blame on ourselves which which happens all the time like not just infertility but I think like as a woman we tend to do that so it blows my mind how many grown adults think that you can get pregnant at any time oh yeah Yeah. totally when I was seeing a GP about falling pregnant with Magnolia she Mm. said try every second day like that was her advice to me for the whole month yeah right as soon as your period starts try every second day and that's how it'll work I even like I found the most helpful thing when I was trying then was that flow Mm. app Mm. yeah but like that's and that's all I had to go off. Literally the whole time you're talking, I'm like, where have you been all my life? (laughs) (laughs) But I teach people this for fertility so that they know when to have sex, obviously, if they're trying to conceive. But I also teach people this for contraception. So it's often like called fertility awareness method or FAM. And I've been using it for eight years to avoid pregnancy while staying off hormonal birth control. So you can use it for both reasons, like conception or contraception. But yeah, it's information that we should have been told, but we, we never work yeah do you think that maybe we don't teach girls this from a young age to I don't know how to say what I want to say like you know our parents maybe don't want us to have too much information about how to not get pregnant because they don't want us having unprotected sex yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean like if there's an ele- a societal sex. element to it yeah or just yeah. having sex yeah because I remember that I was put on the pill at a really really young age because I was competing in swimming competitively mm. and it was for the ability to skip my period when I was having a swimming meet but I remember that my mum told me that the dose of the pill that I was on was low and that it wouldn't be effective as contraception oh that's so funny I think that oh well I obviously know that why she just said that but like now that's popping into my head I'm like oh maybe you know there's some layer that they don't really want us to have this information yeah so that I think that's I think that there's probably a lot of truth in that and then I think it's also that we don't have the language yes like we haven't been taught how to talk about that even Mm. Magnolia brought a tampon to me the other day and was Mm. like what is this and she's six and I was like also I was running late to go somewhere and I was like, oh, like I don't even know where to start with telling you what this is I was like oh I'll tell you like it's it's for when you're older 
let's talk about it later. Yes. <laughs> because yeah. I, just, I don't even know where, where to begin with this. Well, that's it. And I think like when you said, why weren't we taught this? Who was going to teach us? Because yeah. like I see generation after generation of women that come to the clinic that don't, don't know. know. Yeah. And so it's like, well, I don't even think that the generation before us, like you said, had the language yeah. or the educational knowledge to pass it on to us. So I do really hope that like our generation, as we learn more and more and more about the menstrual cycle and women's health in general, because you guys touched on this in your last feminism episode about research in regards to women's health and how women just weren't included in so many of the research studies. So I hope all of that is changing. Um, And I've I've got three big sisters and this is one of the questions that we're going to go into later, but using anatomical terms with kids, I think is really, really important just to normalize things like vulvas and vaginas and understanding you know that period blood is normal and it's not disgusting and it's nothing to be embarrassed about I think that's all really important too it's absolutely the missing piece yeah education absolutely like I went to a catholic school and we didn't learn anything about it at all we didn't learn we didn't have sex education as a subject and to teach us instead of sex education they used to play these like terrible midday movies I remember watching one about actually most of them were about getting HIV like one of them was Molly Ringwald and she had sex one time and contracted HIV and essentially died and they played us Philadelphia and stuff and that was our sex education it was literally mean girls like it was like if you have sex you will get AIDS and die (laughs) I am horrified that was the narrative so oh it's such a shame as we're talking I'm like thinking of like funding we can get to put you in schools and like programs and yeah there's a few there's a girl in Sydney um I I tried to find her the other day her Instagram used to be called bright girl health but I think she changed it and now I can't find her but she does really good work in schools yeah it's so needed to have people in schools educating and when you understand your menstrual cycle it doesn't mean that you're just going to go out and have heaps of sex Like it's, yeah, I think. (laughs) And also like the knowledge could stop unwanted teenage pregnancies. Yeah, yeah. But maybe more STDs. That might be the flip of the coin. Well, I mean, just knowing that like you still obviously use protection, but that's an extra layer of protection. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I tell all of my patients. I I teach this to teenage girls. I teach this to girls in their 20s. And I say to them, you can use fertility awareness for contraception, but you it doesn't guard against STDs. You still need to be using condoms to have safe sex so yeah that's still a big part of it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely let's start with the first question uh what is and isn't normal when it comes to having periods yeah oh my gosh this is such like a big a loaded, big one um, i feel like did you write so, this for me <laughs> <laughs> so again i say like in my perfect world and i want to preface what i'm about to say is i fully acknowledge that people have horrific periods. And so I don't want to sit here and be this like perky, you know, period talking woman and say like what the perfect period is and people that are really suffering with like endo or PMDD or, you know, like really serious conditions are like, ugh, like, that's not my experience at all. But in my world as, you know, a a women's health acupuncturist, the perfect period just arrives and it goes again. So there's no spotting, there's no fanfare. PMS isn't enough to disrupt your day-to-day life. You might get a little bit irritable one or two days beforehand, but not much more than that. There's no spotting before the period. The period just arrives and very, very, very minimal pain. So anything that requires more 
more than a heat pack or two Panadol, I would say is too much pain in my world. So the period arrives and it leaves. I tell my patients it it arrives just like the sun rises and it leaves just like the sun sets. The blood should be bright red. There shouldn't be any clots. So when I... (laughs) Sorry, I feel like we need to just do a reel of my reactions. (laughs) So... Yeah. And I say that because I talk to my patients, I say, do you have clots in your period blood? And they'll often say yes. And I say, okay, is it the size of my fingernail? Is it the size of a 10 cent piece, 20 cent piece, or the size of my fist? And oftentimes people have clots the size of their fist and it's not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, I don't say that to point at people that do have clots, really big clots, but just to acknowledge like it's not normal. And there's a lot that we can do to support a smooth flow of blood because the clots in, from a TCM perspective, is showing us that there's some impairment in blood flow. Like there's some reason why the blood is clotting when it should really just be flowing smoothly out. Yeah. So bright red blood, no clots or very minimal clots. And some people also have like a really smelly period. So your period should be fairly odor free as well. I remember like we were speaking because I was saying, obviously, like I encounter this and I talk about this with my clients in like a really holistic health approach. But like I was thinking about some of my clients or friends that have like extremely heavy periods where they have to wear like a pad and a tampon or where they have to have, you know, two days off work every month and they just think, oh, that's just how my period is. And it doesn't need to be that way, right? That's what we're trying to get around. Like we're not making you wrong for that being your experience, but it's just like you don't need to accept that this is normal and just have to cope with that every month. There are things you can do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And oftentimes I'm not working with people for a long time. Like Chinese medicine can sometimes offer really simple lifestyle changes that can actually have a really big impact on the menstrual cycle. And obviously acupuncture, um, I'm biased. I'm an acupuncturist, but acupuncture can be really (laughs) supportive of that as well. But I've had people cry in my clinic because they're like, I cannot believe that I've put up with these symptoms for 10 plus years of painful periods, heavy periods, flooding and things like that. And I, I have one patient in particular and she was crying and she said, I don't even want to think about what I could have achieved in my career had I not been taking all of those days off work sick. And like me being a little feminist at heart, I just think there is so much in the world that's pitted against us Mm -hmm. that I don't want your period to be just another thing that's holding you back. Yeah, that's so true. And like, I am one of those people that literally when I was getting my period, like I'm on the marina now, which is like a whole other thing, but I would have to wear a tampon, change it every hour Mm. and wear a pad as well yeah. until I, like they invented period undies, which was just a lifesaver for me. But yeah, all of the things, literally every single thing that you've said, I am the opposite of. Yeah. So yeah, you're definitely not shaming people for experiencing that. Like obviously the part of the problem is that we don't know what we're supposed to expect, especially in media. Like mm. you see all these people having like terrible periods and like on mm. girls, like you saw you know, people experiencing like laying in bed for days and it's just so common or being like having a period accident, being super embarrassed Mm. about it. Like it's such a thing. So I think that that's obviously like a big reason why. And just the language around periods. Like I grew up and I'm sure you two, you both had similar experiences of being told that periods are dirty, 
that they're inconvenient, that it's embarrassing if someone sees the blood, yeah. like hiding the tampon up your jumper sleeve. Oh my God, like, I used to do that. Yeah, I went, yeah. especially like, when I went to a co ed school. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember I would wear a jumper in summer so that I had a sleeve to put my tampon up when I wanted to go change. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Actually, one of my girlfriend's, like, friend of the podcast, Julia, experiences heavy periods. Well, not at the moment because she's pregnant. But she works in a, in construction, so, like, a male-dominated mm. industry. And she said, like, she always has tampons in her bra because she never wants to have to get something out of a bag in front yeah. of all the blokes. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm the opposite. I'll be like, <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, how are you today? I'm like, I've got my period. You know, yeah. I, I really do try to normalize period talk in everyday conversation just because yeah. I think it's important. And I think it's, again, speaking very heteronormatively, but I think it's really important for guys to also understand periods as well, because they're going to have friends or partners or daughters and people in their life that are going that have a menstrual cycle that they I'm sure want to be able to support yeah absolutely absolutely do you want me to tell a period story to yeah. break the ice yeah yeah, yeah. go for it <laughs> that's why I was laughing before because I don't often have like a clotty period mm. so it would be unexpected and I remember one time and I texted it to Sarah and Julia because I had the giggles so bad but I took my tampon out when I was about to get in the shower and this clot flew out and it like landed on my foot and then I kicked it on the wall. <laughs> and then I was just like, even I was like, oh, it's gross. Like it's like an happening. alien or but something. But also I was like, this is hilarious and I have to share this story yeah. with my oh, friend. That is so funny. <laughs> it was just like such a flow on my <laughs> part of the pun. I love it. That's oh so God. funny. That's I think so there's so many people that have stories like that. Like I still remember one of my best friends from high school. Her mum had just taught her how to use a tampon and she went to the toilet and she changed her tampon for the first time and she was really proud of herself. So she walked out of the bathroom and was like, oh, like I changed my tampon and her mum came back in and there was like blood all over the wall because she had like <laughs> flung it out. It's like a murder scene. And oh I was, I remember it's, yeah, it's so funny. So I think everybody has like yeah. a yeah. The period story, but we don't tell it, which is crazy. Although yeah. I just had flashbacks of trying to use the applicator tampons oh, to learn. They're Do the we worst. Even have them? I've never seen one they're in so Australia. Hard. I yeah. was always like, I, I don't know them. that they're that helpful. No. I lived, I lived in America for a hot minute and they all, it's all the applicators applicator tampons yeah. and the, it's hard work so but you can just pull the cardboard off and use like a normal right. one but I think it's very Australia specific that we don't have the applicator but yeah. I don't know I feel like it's a waste of time I remember seeing it on American TV show and their tampons were huge and I would be like what's that's so weird like I don't yeah. understand you know the packs like this I was like oh what have, what have they got going on yeah. over there but we're so lucky we've got so many new period products yeah. like the menstrual cup and the period undies and yeah it's yeah. good I just feel so uh, happy for the teenagers that are going to get their periods with period undies yeah I think that all the time like I said to my friend the other day her daughter got her period she's 11 mm. and I just said how good would it feel to go to school in period undies yeah. and like just not have that stress of having a leak like I think I've mentioned this in one episode Every time I had my period or I thought I was going to get my period or just like even randomly, I would stand up from my chair in school and like pat my butt to make sure that I like yeah. to be straightening my skirt, but I would actually be feeling to make sure that there wasn't oh, like yeah. a leak there. Feels, yeah, yeah, I remember One day this. a boy picked on me. He was like, she's always feeling her butt when she stands up. Aww. And I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> 
And it was just like that, like not having the education around expecting when you're going to get your cycle. Like you lived your life as a teenager, like in constant fear that your period was going to arrive at any second. Like you could have finished it a week before and you'd be like terrified. Totally. And I think too with sports, like I I have a patient, she's amazing. Um, I started seeing her when I think she was 14 and she knows all of this inside out and back to front. And she's like 16 now and she plays a lot of sport. And so for her understanding her menstrual cycle means that she can understand why some days she might not be playing as well as she normally does. And it means that she can manage her expectations for different times of the cycle. And it's for me, it's amazing. Like every time I get off a consult with her, I like have tears in my eyes because I'm like, oh my God, like you are like the, like this is exactly the change that I'm trying to facilitate in the world. And it empowers her so much. And she's now the one at in her friendship group that's telling all of her friends about their menstrual cycle and teaching them, you know, stuff. So I do believe like that the change is happening. That's the perfect segue to the next question. So as you're aware, I'm a personal trainer and a big portion of the podcast is about health and fitness. So how can our listeners work with their bodies and tailor their movement habits or their movement expectations based on where they are in their cycle? Yeah, such a good question. And I think I've like swung, I I swung really far into like the cycle sinking corner where I did everything according to my menstrual cycle. Like for example, I'm day one of my period today and five years ago, I would never have gone to a Pilates class on my period because I'm like no it's you have to rest like and I was really strict on the whole cycle sinking thing and now I've probably found a nice middle ground where ultimately you want to be listening to your body and you want to have the ability to tune into how you're feeling your energy levels your mental health and everything on any given day and make decisions on movement and food based on how you're feeling but then you can layer onto that where you're at in the menstrual cycle so like I mentioned before when you're on your period your hormones essentially baseline to down to the bottom like there there's no hormone production happening because you're bleeding so there's some hormone production but when your hormones baseline you're naturally going to have less energy so we think of like estrogens like our Beyonce hormone like it's like makes us like super energetic and outgoing and like fun and flirtatious and so when you're in your period you don't have a lot of estrogen so you're naturally going to feel like a little bit lower energy you're not going to feel as social you do kind of want to go into a, a bit of a cave so I tell my patients on your period listen to your body. If you're feeling like movement might be good for you, and particularly for some people that do have period pain, a little bit of movement is good to get the blood flowing in the pelvis, especially if it's something like yoga, where you're doing like a lot of hip work, like it it can be quite good to facilitate that blood flow, but you don't want to overexert yourself. So in Chinese medicine, we talk about the supply and demand of blood. And because we're losing blood during our period, we want to make sure that we're supplying blood. So we want to always ensure that the supply is meeting the demand. So the period is a very demanding event for our blood because we're losing it. And from a TCM perspective, other ways that we use blood are exercise, particularly like high intensity interval training and things like that. We lose blood via stress and overwork and burning the candle at both ends. We also lose blood via sweat. So going to like an infrared sauna or a spa or something like that isn't a great idea on your period either. You generally on your period want to 
have like gentle walks, maybe like a, a Pilates or a yoga class. And that's why we call it our inner winter. Cause what do you want to do in winter? You want to hibernate, right? And then once estrogen starts to kick back in and we start producing estrogen again, you're naturally going to feel like you want to do more with your body. So that's usually when I'm telling people to go to like more vinyasa classes, like Pilates is great. And if you are doing HIIT training, you would want to be doing it in your follicular phase in the lead up to ovulation. Cause you're going to have naturally more energy then. Ovulation is like peak summer, peak energy. That's when you can really go for it and train really hard. You'll probably have more energy then. And then during your luteal phase, that's when I'm telling a lot of my patients to focus more on like strength and conditioning. So focus on um, lifting and things like that. I used to be a runner. So I used to change my running style depending on where I was at. So during my follicular phase, I do really fast pace. So I try to do shorter distances, but faster. And then during my luteal phase, I drop the pace, but then run for longer. You can change your, your movement depending on where you're at in your cycle. But I think the biggest thing is like, we've all had those days where maybe we plan to go to the gym and you wake up and you're just not feeling it right. And then you either skip the gym or you go and you don't have a good workout. I do this. I don't know if I'm the only one. Hopefully I'm not. And you kind of have that negative self-talk, right? Like, like oh, I'm so lazy or like I didn't, I didn't work hard today. And I think having the knowledge of where you're at in your menstrual cycle to layer onto your experience is really important. So you can be like, hold on, like I'm just about to get my period. Maybe it's not because I'm lazy. Maybe it's because my hormones are actually going into a really low phase right now. And I just don't have the material to, you know, really give it a go at the gym or whatever it is. So I think it's like takes away that negative talk when you understand the cycle a little bit more. Yeah. Just having that awareness of where you're at. And I can think like, now that you're saying that, I'm probably like two or three days after the end of my period and I like did gym today, did bench press with my girlfriend. And I was like, oh, that like I was so strong today compared to last week. Like it felt so easy and it felt so good versus when I was probably like on day one yeah. or day two, yeah. um, which makes more sense. And I think, you know, it's good to, like you said, and, I, and we had a really good conversation about this when I came to see you, like it's good to have the awareness, but then, you know, some people probably can use that as a little bit of a a reason to dial things down. And I was speaking with another coach recently during the week and she had put something up to say that she heard another coach say to her client, just take the whole week off every time that you have your period. Yeah, right. And she was saying like how that that advice is not taking into consideration like the individual because I would say as a rule like while I can note changes in strength and running ability and stuff I'm largely unaffected Mm. um whereas some of my friends would need to take more time off but I was saying to her in the conversation that we had I was like that's also really lazy coaching because like if your clients say their period is that bad that they do need to have a whole week off movement altogether Um, maybe they should be looking into why their period symptoms are that extreme. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think it just takes agency around, uh, away from the individual. And Mm. that's what I try to emphasize in my work is like, by tuning into your body and listening to the messages that your body is communicating with you, you're fostering that sense of agency and Mm. you making decisions based on how you feel, regardless of, you know, what, external people are telling you. So it's all about how you're feeling in your body. And then as I believe that the more we know about our bodies, the better able we are to make decisions that are going to allow us to live more in flow rather than against our, you know, our natural cycle. Absolutely. And I think like, obviously I work with clients in nutrition as well. And a lot of my clients come to me with a fat loss goal Mm. and they'll, they'll communicate with me that, you know, in the lead up to their period in those, you 
you know, three or four days before that they're really struggling to stick to their deficit calories. Yeah. And um, I just tell them like, you know, tell me when this is coming up and you're feeling like this because let's yeah. just take your calories up to maintenance for those three days and then you've yeah. got the other 25 days of your cycle to be in a deficit and not to feel like you're having this extra layer of resistance mm. all the time. Like yeah. let yourself, you know, um, let yourself feed some of those cravings and not just feel like you're working against your body all the time. Yeah. Is there any other considerations with regard to nutrition and cycle? Yeah. So we kind of like, again, coming back to the phases, you can look at the seasons and be guided by the seasons as to what you might want to be eating. So during winter, you want to be eating like nice, warm cooked foods. So I love like bone broth or like slow cooked meats and things like that while you're on your period, because they're all blood building foods. So we want to ensure that we're nourishing the body with blood while we're losing blood. So things like beetroot, barley, broths, they're all really, really good for blood building. And then as you come into your inner spring, springtime, like we think of like green bit of vegetables. So you'd be eating a lot more like seasonal greens and things like that. And then during your luteal phase, your autumn, that's when you're you're probably going to be craving heartier meals. And when you think about it, so your period is a highly metabolically demanding event. So you, it requires so much energy output to have a period because we've got muscles in the uterus that are contracting to release the blood. And so you need to have enough resources in order to adequately release the blood from the uterus. I look like I'm like a a crab, (laughs) um, but that's like the muscles of the uterus contracting. And so that's why a week before your period, you start to get hungry because your body's like, all right, we're either fueling pregnancy or we're fueling a period here. So you're going to be wanting to eat like more root vegetables and heartier meals like that. But again, just like with movement, listen to your body, be guided by hunger cues is such an important thing that I see in clinic as well. Like people will be like, I'm like, if you're hungry, eat. And then if you're getting hungry before lunchtime, maybe you're not eating enough protein at your breakfast. So do we need to look at breakfast, adding more protein? So you're getting about that 25 grams of protein at brekkie and that should sustain you through to lunch. Yeah. But always being guided by hunger cues is my advice. Because your basal metabolic rate is increasing as well because, right, that contraction of the muscle, that's an Mm. extra thing that we're not doing in the other, you know, the other period periods the other phases of the month so it is like it's like 50 to 100 calories higher per day based on yeah the individual right and I don't know off the top of my head but yes like I I wouldn't be surprised but a lot of people will talk about having a period that stops and starts and oftentimes I see that correlated with pure exhaustion so they don't have enough gas in the tank to maintain the contraction of the period of the uterus to release the period so it's just like when you're at the gym and you're, you start to fatigue and you need to take a break. Yeah. yeah. So we really, I think like resourcing, um, through like nutrition is so important when it comes to the period. And I see it all the time with amenorrhea. So people that lose their period. And I also see it with people that are diagnosed with PCOS. Oftentimes they're undernourishing as well. And this might be, you just reminded me this might come up later or maybe it's a bit of a tangent but talking about having no gas in the tank I read recently that stress affects estrogen levels Mm. is that right and like could that be a reason as well yes so stress a little bit earlier in the episode I spoke about the hypothalamus so the hypothalamus is in the brain and it talks to the pituitary gland and the pituitary gland talks to the ovaries and it also talks to the adrenals And so our nervous system, our body is always looking out for our survival as number one. So Tegan's nervous system is looking after Tegan, mine's looking after mine, et cetera. 
And then second to that is reproduction. And so that's why we have ovulation occurring each month because we're hardwired to reproduce. So we're releasing the egg each cycle um, for the sake of having babies, right? And so if you are super, super stressed and our body works in feedback loops, so if your adrenal glands are shouting up to the hypothalamus, like, hey, we need stress hormones, we are stressed out. So the hypothalamus, which is the same part of the brain that talks to the ovaries is sending heaps of stress hormone down to the adrenals. It's like, well, Tegan can't ovulate right now because she is so stressed and we don't want to bring baby into that stress. And so oftentimes (laughs) it's how most people's body operates. And that's why acupuncture is so effective because we try to bring you back into your parasympathetic response. Yeah. Um, Because I would say like 90% of my patients are living in sympathetic dominance. And is that fight or flight, like to really simplify it? Yeah, fight or flight or living um, um, just like, surviving off adrenaline yeah yeah yep that's that's how I offer yeah in my head so many people do as soon as we wrap up I'm gonna like book my (laughs) session with you I I know I know know. and some easy ways to tell are if you wake up in the morning and you're not hungry that's a sign of high cortisol so most of my patients are like oh yeah I'm just not hungry in the morning Uh, that's probably a sign that you're really really stressed and then it can impact your sleep and yeah different things so stress is a, a massive thing which which is why I love acupuncture so much because yeah. we can target so many different things at once. All right. <clears throat> so this is... <laughs> I love it how you always do that. <laughs> I'm serious now. <laughs> She's like cracking her knuckles. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so I've been excited for this question because <laughs> this is something that really affects me and a lot of my friends. So as I mentioned before, I have a daughter, mm. um, as do a lot of our listeners. Uh, what advice do you have for parents of girls and what, I, I know there's a lot, what can we do better? Yeah. So I love this question. I, I'm one of four girls and my sisters all have daughters. So I, I mentioned it before. I think using anatomical language is a really big one. Yeah. So using the word vulva and distinguishing it from vagina and being comfortable using anatomical terms with sons and daughters. I think too, like languaging and not, not being embarrassed about periods and being confident talking about them, which probably means parents educating themselves yeah. on periods periods as well so that they are confident talking about periods with their daughters and normalizing the conversation in the household about periods and things like that. If you're not confident talking about the changes that occur at puberty and things like that, booking in with someone who is. So I do online consults and I'll often just do an online consult with a teenage girl and either their parents or their mum. And we talk about what we've been sharing on the um, podcast so far. And I talk about the different phases, the hormones. And so you can seek professional advice. Like you can give your daughter's the sex ed that we all should have received. Yeah. You might just have to do it yourself. Like you yeah. can't rely on the school system to do it for you. Yeah, I think like I think just normalizing the conversation yeah. is such an important one. And I try to do that with my nieces and even my nephews, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think that that is key, the parent education. Because yeah. I know that there's so many questions. I mean, now I might be able to answer them, but so many questions that Magnolia could ask me that I'd be like, oh, fuck, I don't even know how yeah. to answer that. Kids see blood and think pain. Yeah. And so also, yeah, sharing that the the blood doesn't equal pain, like yeah. you haven't cut yourself, that kind of idea as well is important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's such a good point. Doing a consult like that, if, the, if, if a parent doesn't have the education, would just be money really well spent and to sit the parent and the daughter 
mm. together and do that yeah. consult and learn together. And like, you could have that really open dialogue about, you know, mum's had her period for X amount of years and, and she didn't even know this, but I want you to know so that yeah. you're going to have um, more awareness than I had. Yeah. And that's going to be like such a fantastic start. That would be money so well spent. And Incredible. it doesn't have to be with, like, I'm an acupuncturist. It doesn't have to be with an acupuncturist. There are lots of people that do menstrual cycle awareness work that offer those kind of services, you know, online. Otherwise, to also talking to other mums or other parents so that you're all normalising the conversation amongst yourselves. Yeah. And I think it's so important for teenage girls to be confident talking about their periods because oftentimes people that do have heavy bleeding, it might be intergenerational. And so if their mum has heavy bleeding, they think it's normal because yeah. their mum had heavy yeah. bleeding. And so in their household, they might just be under the impression that having heavy painful periods is normal. And having uh, the diversity of a friendship group of girls sharing their period experiences means that someone that is having an experience that isn't normal but thinks it's normal is then exposed to other people's periods and can see what is actually normal, if that makes sense. No, that makes so much sense. And that's something I talk about like in regards to mental health as Mm, well. Like you don't know that what you're feeling's not normal unless you speak to other people. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, that's you're not supposed to feel that way. Or if you speak to someone else who feels that way, they're like, oh, well, actually, I have this going on. And you're like, oh, I might have that as well. Yes. And so it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah that's such a good point. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, you touched on GPs before, and I, I think GPs have the hardest job in the world. They need to know enough about everything yeah. to deliver healthcare in a really safe way. Yeah. And the system in Australia, they're under immense pressure. And so I, I genuinely think GPs have the hardest job in the world. I, I flirted with doing the GAMSAT this year and then I was like, oh, I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> oh, it would be so hard. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a really challenging landscape for them at the moment. But if you can find a GP that has a special interest in women's health, yeah. Where in Camp Hill, you know, like the Green Slopes Women's Wellness Clinic is really, really good for that. But I think an important thing you can do for your daughters, if you have daughters, is to find a GP and potentially a gynecologist that you feel really comfortable with, that you can establish a relationship with. And I do think as well, if you do have a child that was assigned female at birth and a lot of teenagers, you know, are transitioning or are going through, you know, different experiences, finding a gynecologist that is really really aware of transgender and supporting people that have a menstrual cycle that don't identify as girls or women is really important as well. And I have different lists of gynees and GPs that I refer to that can really support those people as well. That's so important. Yeah, because yeah. if you we're thinking of how challenging navigating puberty is when we we haven't been equipped with the information for us to navigate it as people that identify, you know, as women or girls going through that same experience and having potentially a gender dissociation with the period makes it all the more challenging. So just having those support around you. Dr. Amy Hanlon is one of my favorite gynecologists in Brisbane that supports different queer groups. So yeah, having that support team is really important. Yeah. I'd love to have that information to pop on our Instagram Mm. or in our show notes as well. That would be fantastic. Yeah. 
So our last question for you is just how can our listeners find you? So like all small business owners, you can find me at my clinic. I'm there <laughs> almost every day. So over acupuncture and Chinese medicine, it's on Newman Avenue in Camp Hill. But I'm also quite active on Instagram. My handle is Michelle Smith Health. And that's where I share a lot of information about periods and cycle awareness and fertility and different lifestyle practices. Or you can follow the clinic, which is just at over acupuncture on Instagram. Yeah. And we'll put all of that in our show notes and we'll share it all on our Instagram as well. I'm so sure that I can just think of like 10 women in my life instantly yeah. that I know are going to want to come and see you after hearing this. Oh, good. So, yeah. yeah, I've been recommending you to everybody <laughs> she since has. we met. Um, I've I been shouting that. your name from the rooftop. Oh, I'm so grateful. Yeah. I, you know, like I mentioned before, oh, you mentioned, Tegan, um, my goal is really for to support people to feel at home in their bodies. And I think when it comes to the menstrual cycle, so many people are living with symptoms that they just don't need to live with. And yeah, we, we just want to support women to feel a bit better absolutely thank you so much this is fantastic thanks thank you yeah (laughs) i'm stoked this is amazing hey that was amazing yeah that was so good i knew she was going to be a fantastic guest we just had the longest conversation when i went in to see her and as she said like it was almost like we've forgotten that i was there to get acupuncture because we were so caught up in talking about all of this stuff and i just think it's so fantastic and if we can get more education and more awareness out there, it's going to make the world of difference to obviously our lives as older women, not older in our (laughs) 30s, but also to the next generation and how we speak to our daughters. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to her about how to discuss all of this with Magnolia because it's something I've been wanting to learn about for a while and everything she said about us improving our education will help them. Mm. And I just cannot wait to book in with her because as some might see in the snips, my brain... I was like so excited. Everything she said, I was like, oh my God, I've just like am clueless as I think a lot of people are. It's just wild, right? Like it's, it's just wild. wild that we're like in our 30s, like 33, 12 periods a year, essentially, since I was 12, 20 yeah. years. That's an insane amount. And sometimes to the point where like, I even forget that it's coming or yeah. that it's a thing that we have to do every month. And like just the lack of education and awareness, it's absolutely fucking wild. That was one of the only good things about being pregnant for me was not, not having a period. I was like, this is great. And even like when I fell pregnant with Sol, I was so excited to be pregnant, but I was also so excited to have nine months without a period because it affects me so much. Yeah. I liked what she said about it should be just come and go and yeah. I have been pretty lucky that I don't really experience a lot of symptoms. But in saying that, you know, my overall health is very good. Yeah. So I think that that's a really important takeaway. Just the takeaway that you don't have to live with very painful or heavy periods. There are things that you can do about it through seeing someone like Michelle, through working on your overall health can have a big impact as well. Yeah. I'm so, as I said, I'm just so excited. Oh, I'm actually really excited to go and edit the episode. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. I can't wait to edit the episode to listen to it all over again. Yeah, so so many good nuggets of information in there and she um, speaks so well. She does. She's fantastic. As always, thank you to our beautiful listeners for tuning in each week to listen to the episode. This one was jam-packed full of information and we have no doubts that you would have gotten something out of it. Please share this episode with someone that needs to hear it. It might be the friend who has always had really painful periods and suffers each month. 
your teenage daughter, your niece, your younger sister, or even the men in your life. The more we can educate all of us, the better. We will be back next week with another episode for you. Michelle is the first of so many amazing guests that we have lined up for this year. We cannot wait for you to come with us and make 2024 your healthiest year yet. 